Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Well, we want to... um give a special shout out here for the very first time is little baby Jonas. Jonas? Jonas. You can say both. Either way, why don't you bring him out and we can have our Simba moment. (laughs) If the band can play Circle of Life, that would be great. Uh, He had earmuffs on. And so uh, Matt and Gwendy, so... We have got um, two wonderful little babies. We met a couple of weeks ago. We met little Mason, and he's um, chubbing up, enjoying the uh, enjoying life. And so here we've got little Jonas. They're good friends, and um, yeah. So how old is is Jonas? Uh, he'll be four weeks Tuesday. Four weeks, and um, very cute. Um, I think he's advanced. I saw him singing, I saw him worshipping, lifting his hands uh, right now. So uh, we are so delighted that uh, Jonas is part of our City Lights community. We're going to pray for him. Isn't that a good thing? And just welcome him into the family uh, because we, we see ourselves as uh, family here. So uh, you can, as a sign that you're joining in, you can put out your hand to uh, these wonderful parents and little Jonas. Lord, we, we thank you for this little baby. He's a gift from you. Uh, he's a gift of God. He's a, he's a miracle. And Lord, we thank you uh, for these wonderful parents that love him so much and the opportunity that we have to have as a, a church family um, to encourage them, support them, and welcome this little guy uh, into a great environment for him to grow up in. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't that good? Don't they look fantastic, this couple? Um, they probably just had... A perfect run. You can, you can. They probably just had a perfect run, full sleep, um, no dramas. Uh, they just probably make it look easy for everyone else. So, as my beautiful wife Beck said, my name's Andrew. If we haven't um, met, it's great to see you here. And um, this weather is awesome. Uh, yesterday, uh, my some of you know my my son Joe has, has started playing soccer this year. He's just turned eight. And um, so he finished. It was his last game. And the coach said to us, hang around after the game because everyone gets a trophy. You know, under eights, everyone gets a trophy. Okay, so hang around. We're going to have some cake and some trophy. But the kids didn't know that. So at half time, we were down by one goal. It was 3-2. And so coach gets them around in a huddle. And he, he says to them, guys, if you can win, you'll get a trophy. And all the kids started going, let's do it. Let's win a trophy. And they started jumping up and like, let's go out. And our team won 8-3. And uh, so, uh, you know, whatever it takes, huh? (laughs) So that is good. It's so great to see you. We're continuing this series um, called The World of Words. So this series is all about recognising the creative power of our words. 
and understanding, as we know, in our life that our words have power to shape environments. Our words have power to harm and have power to heal. And so we're recognising, and, and uh, you can catch up on our website, um, the previous, uh, uh, previous messages, but what we recognise is that for us to have positive words, we have to sometimes, a lot of the times, deal with what's going on inside us. And the primary way that we do that is we learn uh, how to pray and how to partner with God in our words so that we can have this life flow coming from within us that is positive. Who thinks that's a good idea? Who would like to be in an environment, a healthy environment, with words of life and words of encouragement? I would. And that's the one I want to create for my family. That's the one that I want to create um, in this church. That's the one my hope is that that would define your family, but also your workplace as well. That you could have positive influence for God with the words that you carry. And so that's what we're talking about. Now, the title of my message today is called Arguing with God. Arguing with God. Now, one of the things that we recognize is that we have a powerful voice, even though we're not saying anything often. Because I don't know if you're like me, but we have inside our heads a running commentary on what is going on around us, even as we speak, your head, you've got this self-talk that's giving a running commentary. Why is he shaking his hand like this? Why does he keep doing that? You're thinking about a lot of things and you're processing the words that you're hearing based on a whole bunch of things, based on your emotions, based on your past history. We've got all these kind of filters and we've got this running commentary. And so even when we're not saying anything, we have this powerful inner voice. Here's a quote um, from a pastor uh, that I know uh, in uh, Adelaide at a great church there. And he, listen to this, he says, we need to be aware of our inner narrative on outside events. No one can fool you more than you do because no one talks to you as often as you do. No one is as convincing as you are to yourself. Isn't that a powerful quote? No one is as convincing as you are to yourself because you're constantly talking to yourself. And who knows that when you've got this weight of commentary, this weight, this powerful inner self-talk, when someone comes in and tries to prevent, present a different argument or a different voice, who knows sometimes it's, it's difficult to get through. Do you realise that sometimes it's difficult to get through to you when someone tries to talk to you? I know that for me, when someone tries to present something that's different to the narrative that I've placed within my head, it's a little bit challenging. And so uh, I'm going to have a look at a story in the Bible about a guy who had this conversation. He actually had this conversation with God and God was trying to get a different point of view through to him. But because of this narrative, because of his past experiences, because of his perception in the future, it was very difficult. And right now, I want to make, invite you to make this very personal, that God is trying to speak to you, every single one of you, to present 
a different way of looking at the world. And we do, if I'm bold enough, even though I don't know you that well, we do what this guy in the story, Gideon, does, is we argue with God. And Gideon has three questions. We're going to look at them for God. And I believe that they're three questions that each and every one of us have in this conversation with God. So, we're going to read. It's uh, Judges 6, and uh, this, that'll go up on the screen if you can read it. Um, I'm going to read it out anyway. I'm using a version that's um, very easy to understand. It's called The Message. Yet again, so this is uh, a time, uh, the people of Israel, and um, yet again, the people of Israel went back into doing evil in God's sight. God put them under the domination of Midian for seven years. This is a, a tribe, a desert tribe. Midian overpowered Israel. Because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves hideouts in the mountains, caves and forts. When Israel planted its crops, Midian and Amalek, the Easterners, would invade them, camp in their fields and destroy their crops all the way down to Gaza. They left nothing for them to live on, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. Bringing their cattle and tents, they came in and took over like an invasion of locusts. And their camels, past counting, they marched in and devastated the country. The people of Israel, reduced to grinding poverty by Midian, cried out to God for help. So here's this picture. Every time um, there would be a harvest time for the people of Israel, the, the Midianites and the people of Amalek would swoop down and take all the crops. So think of it like this. Every time your family is prepared a dinner and sits down, your neighbours come in and take all the dinner and leave you with nothing. Okay? So this is a bit of the picture, and they would constantly do that. So the people were hiding and trying to preserve something. They were literally on the, the brink and the border of starvation. And the word overpowered, overpowered here means to make small. I don't know if you've ever had situations or circumstances or had a season in your life where you have felt overpowered. You've felt diminished. I, I can remember distinctly feeling that. I don't know why I said that, but I, I literally felt like my circumstances were overpowering me. And I, I said, I feel like I'm, I'm diminishing. I feel like I'm, I'm getting smaller. This is what we experience in life. And there are times where we are disrespected, overpowered and controlled. And that is how these people felt. Now, what happened is they were limited by fear. And they were just doing what they could to get by. And we have seasons in our life where things are not going the way that we want. And we are limited by fear. And all kinds of fear. This week, as part of preparation uh, for this, I asked a, a bunch of people um, in different situations. This question is, what do you think some fears are for you that are holding you back? And here's what they said. Fear of failure. Fear of what others will think. Someone said, this is unusual, fear they won't be able to control themselves if they succeed. So if they get things or if they get success 
in whatever form, maybe if they get money or whatever, they, they won't be able to control themselves. Fear they won't have enough. Fear, that's fear of lack. Fear of rejection. Fear that you'll repeat the mistakes of the past. Fear that you'll miss an opportunity. And fear that we don't hear God correctly. Because many of us here, we, we want to hear God, but we're just not sure what he's saying to us. And so these people were living under this culture of fear. And so this is the backdrop to the argument that develops between God and Gideon. It's a pretty polite argument, but it's still an argument. And God has a message for Gideon that is different from the narrative. It's different from his circumstances. It's different from that powerful inner self-talk. And here's what the message is about. The message is about his identity and his calling. His identity, who he is. God has a different perspective on who Gideon is and a different perspective on what Gideon is called to do. It's about identity and calling. So let's read the start of this. Judges uh, 6, 11. One day the angel of God came down and sat under the oak in Ophrah, not Oprah, that belonged to Joash, Joash, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress out of sight of the Midianites. So he's threshing wheat in a winepress because he's trying to hide what's going on. The angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, mighty warrior. And so this is where the argument starts. This is the initial statement. God is with you, mighty warrior. He's living in fear, but God says, I'm with you, mighty warrior. And so Gideon starts to argue with him very politely. But here's what he says, with me, my master, if God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are the miracle wonders our parents and grandparents told us about telling us, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. He has turned us over to Midian. And so the statement is a statement that Gideon is a mighty warrior and that God is with him. And Gideon's first question, and I believe it's the question that many of us asked, is, as we battle and as we argue, is where were you in the pain of my past? So when God comes to you and he says, I see you as the woman of God, I see you as the man of God, and I've got a future for you, sometimes we say, okay, well, if you've got a future for me, why have I gone through all this pain? If you've got a plan for me, why have all these bad things happened? Because who knows, prevention is better than a cure, right? So what is the source of all this pain? How can you be everything that you say you are if I've been let down in the way that I've been let down? And this is our contention with God. So why is there pain? Why did that person abandon me, reject me, hurt me, betray me? Why did these things go wrong? 
Why did that business venture not work? Why did I lose my job? Why was this relationship toxic? And so these are all these questions that we have when God wants to speak a word of faith, a word of identity, a word of belonging, a word of purpose. He wants to call us to a new season of hope. But we're like, God, like, how can that be true if you've let me down in the past? That's the first question. Where were you in the pain of my past? The conversation goes on. And God replies, God faced him directly and said, go in the strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian, haven't I just sent you? So here's his next statement again, reaffirming his identity and his calling. God's message to him. Again, Gideon argues and he says, Gideon said to him, me, my master, again, very polite, how and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. That's not an exciting uh, self-assessment, is it? To assess yourself as the runt of the litter. And here's what I love. I love that in spite of Gideon's argument and in spite of the fact that he's contending, God is patient with him and God takes the time to have a conversation. He does that with you and I. He wants to step us through. He wants to walk it through. And so our second argument with God, the first one is, where were you in the pain of my past? The second argument is, why choose me? Why choose someone like me? Now, Gideon said, I'm the weakest of the weak. And we've got all kinds of different versions of that. Sometimes it's to do with our strength. We could say, you can't choose me because I'm the busiest of the busy. You can't choose me because I'm the most damaged of the damaged people. You can't choose me because of my past. But essentially, it's a self perception of what is going on and we can't step into our calling so the question the second question has to do with our present our second argument has to do with our present so the conversation goes on judges 6 16 to 18 god said to him i'll be with you believe me you'll defeat midian as one man So God continues to come back to him. And Gideon says, if you're serious about this, do me a favor. Give me a sign to back up what you're telling me. Don't leave until I come back and bring you my gift. So the the question here, the third question, the first has to do with our past. The second has to do with our current perception of ourselves. And our third, are we looking for an aircon remote? Okay. Yeah. We can turn that one off. It's better that we deal with it and we can concentrate. Um, so that is going to be turned off. We'll just have a pause. Please hold. 
while we attend to your inquiry. I think we're good. I think we're good. Uh, in a moment, the drinks trolley will come down. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good idea? We should do that one day. We should have a, we should have a drinks trolley. Intermission. We should have a preaching intermission. That's all good. We're family. All right, are you with me? Because I'm almost done. Not a super long message today. But this is really powerful. Because the stories of the Bible are deliberately crafted for our human experience and our relationship with God to provide a pattern for us to both understand the human struggle but to connect with God in a special way. And so these stories, you could look at them and go, oh, you know, they're just like, some people think they're fairy tales or some people think they're just kind of uh, old cultural narratives. But what we're saying is, this is a, a conversation between a person and God and it's a conversation that we can relate to where God really wants us to see ourselves as made in his image, as children of God, but we won't accept it. And we say, no, my past disqualifies the fact that you've let me down. There are so many people who are angry with God because of pain in their life. They think that God has let them down because of pain in their life. There's probably people in this room. You've still got a little bit of residual anger because of pain in your life. God, where were you? That's what Gideon was saying. Where were you in my past? His second question is, God says, you know, you got this. I'm with you. And he's like, no, I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. And that's our question. And the third question here is, why should I believe my future will be different? This is a faith question. Because God comes back and says, no, no, you got this. You got this. I, I've, I've dealt with your past. I'm, I'm bringing something new. I believe in you. You have enough right now in your present. And then Gideon's like, no, I, I can't quite believe you. How will my future be different? And Gideon wants a sign. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you would have heard of the, the term of a fleece. Okay, this is, comes from this. It's a part of the, the Christianese that we have. And um, this kind of special Christian language that's hard for people to understand. And so, um, essentially what Gideon does is he says, God, if it's you, I'm going to put out a piece of wool. And one time I want the wool to be dry and the ground to be wet. And then he doesn't believe. And then the other time he wants, I want the wool to be wet and the ground to be dry. Okay, so that's interesting. So he's just looking for a sign. But what has already happened before he asks for the fleece is he's seen the angel get a stick to touch a rock and fire to come out and an angel to disappear and reappear. But he still wants a piece of wool to be wet and dry. And I know that within us, 
we want confirmation because we want to do what God wants us to do. But some of you are waiting for a sign to step out in faith. You're probably waiting for another sign because God's already given you a sign. I bet if we went around and we took the time to hear everybody's story here, we would see the hand of God. Despite your pain, despite your brokenness, despite the part where you've been left down, we would see the hand and signs of God. We would see him moving. And God's saying, you've got to get to a point where you trust me. Jesus puts it this way, Matthew chapter 12. Some of the scribes and Pharisees told Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He replied, he was very softly spoken and meek. And he said, an evil and adulterous generation craves a sign. (laughs) I love that. Yet no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Okay, because just as Jonah was in the stomach of a sea creature for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. What's he talking about? The sign is Jesus' death and resurrection. So he's calling you and I to put our faith in him that he is the Son of God and not in a whole bunch of different circumstances or cosmic events around us. And those things are good, and I have those. I've seen and I've heard in the last month in this church, we've uh, seen people get financial miracles, people have jobs, people be healed uh, supernaturally, mind-blowing healings. All right? But that is never going to be enough. We need to put our faith in the person of Jesus. And no matter how many signs that we have, no matter how many miracles that we have, no matter how many signs you have or I have or we have as a church, I believe this whole church is a miracle, right? But we're still going to get to a point where we have to put our faith in Jesus for our future. Does that make sense? Because that is where it's at. When we see God as God, that is when we begin to embrace our true identity. When you recognize that Jesus is God and that you can only get to him by grace and faith, that's when you can go, you know what? I am a mighty warrior. Reggie, you are a mighty warrior. All right? Why? God is with you. Why? Why is he with you? Because of Jesus. And that is how we can embrace our true identity. Now, I want to encourage you, and specifically, you know who you are. The Holy Spirit will speak to you within yourself. You don't have to identify yourself to me. But some of you, you have been fighting with God. God has been trying to say, you're loved, and you've been rebounding it. Oh, I'm not loved because of this or that, or I haven't done enough, or I'm not good enough. And some of you have been rejected by others in the past, and that is a barrier to you feeling the acceptance of God. And God is saying to you, I want you to take my words and my messages seriously. I want you to put your faith in me, not in your circumstances, not in the damage of your past. 
that make sense? And so I'm encouraging you, end your argument with God. End your argument with God. I was telling some of the guys earlier this week, when Beck and I, uh, we lived in Sydney, when we were looking to buy our first house after we were married, uh, we went to see a whole lot of different houses and um, you get such a wide variety in our budget uh, when you're a young couple. And uh, I'm very optimistic when I look at houses. I'm like, I come in and maybe a little bit impatient and optimistic. I come in and I'm going, great, this is it. Let's, let's get this house. And so we went, we saw some different houses. One of the houses we went into, it was a little odd. Uh, it was quite a nice house, like just small three bedroom. Um, but they had large dogs inside lived inside and the house had a very strong odour of dog. In fact, the walls felt uh, wet <laughs> and just had that, you know, that heavy dog breath smell, okay? So we're walking through and I'm like, I'm very optimistic and I'm like, that's okay, honey, we can, we can paint and, you know, we can clean this place up and maybe we'll get a good price because I'm a bargain hunter and all this kind of stuff, and so like going in there, and so then we go and have a look at this room, and it's just like they had some tenants in there, and it was just like you couldn't see the, f the floor, but I was like, okay, well, you know, there's, I know that there's some carpet under there. But that's So we go in there, we go to the next one, we look at that and the, the bathroom, and then I say, can we have a look at this room? And they say, no, you can't go into that room. It had like a, like a proper padlock on it. Um, so I'm just thinking and I'm, so I'm still, still like, oh, you know, we can make this work. And Beck's just like, no, this is, this is not, this is not going to work. Do you know that this, a lot of the time, is you and me when Jesus comes into the house of our heart? We say, come in. Now, I'm not saying that our house is always a mess, but I'm saying... We come in and he comes and he has a look at this room and then he has a look at that room and then Jesus says, what about this room? What about this area of your life? Can I have a look in there? And we say, no. No, Jesus, you. I accept that you're Lord, but I accept that you're God, but, but maybe not of that area. Can we just, that, that area is off limits. What's in there? You don't need to know, just... Keep going. We've got cookies. We've got cookies. I'll put some praise music on for you later, Jesus, and help you feel better about, better about yourself. And so this is a little bit challenging, but it's all kinds of things, and it's everybody. So don't feel like you're being targeted. It's all humans. So any robots, now is a time to identify yourself. If we have any Terminator fans or anything like that. But I'm just saying that sometimes the Bible talks about all kinds of stuff. We, we want to be we want to be in charge of our own lives. We want to be the boss. And Jesus says, if like if I'm really God, like if I got the God thing and I created you and I created the world then I'm a better boss of your life than you are. But that's difficult to understand. I understand that it's difficult. It's difficult for me. It's difficult for you. You get to a point 
where when you do it, you find it's the most freeing thing. And so for some of us, the door is the door to our past. For some of us, it has to involve um, our finances. For others of us, it involves our sexuality. And so there's all kinds of different things. You name it, you can feel it in your heart. You know what it is. I don't need to tell you. The Holy Spirit will reveal it. But I just wonder. I wonder what would happen if you let God into that room. Like, what are we afraid of? Usually that we won't get what we think that we want. But God says, I'm, I'm actually, it's the path to freedom. And it's the path to hope. And some of you, and maybe, maybe I will in the future, I could get some of you out of here and you could tell me about your life situation where you had totally rejected life, God, and you were making an absolute mess of your life. And you've got to this point where you're, you're opening all the doors to your heart. And when you do, I just want to encourage you, there's nothing to be afraid of. Because Jesus is loving, so loving that he endured torture for us, for you and me. Let's pray together. Why don't you bow your heads? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just going to uh, call a couple of people. Just uh, Sorry, just uh, say a couple of things to give people a chance to respond. Today, if you uh, have never made that decision to say, Jesus, I'm going to put you first in my life. I'm going to open up the doors of my heart to you and welcome you into my whole heart. If that's you, would you uh, be so bold enough? Because it is a step of boldness, a step of courage, a step of faith, just to put up your hand wherever you are. Put it up nice and high and say, hey, God, I'm going to do this. I don't know exactly what it'll mean. I don't know exactly what it'll look like, but I'm going to trust you if that's you. Yeah, I see that hand. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else? Awesome. Awesome. There's some of you, and uh, God's just inviting you to trust him in some of these areas. You could say, yeah, I'm, I'm along the journey, but I've still got a few reservations about some of these areas. I still haven't, if I'm honest, I haven't invited God wholeheartedly into my whole life because I'm afraid. I don't know what, what will happen. Maybe I'm afraid to let go. Maybe I don't trust that, that Jesus will, will do a good job in my life. If that's you and there's some areas that you feel that God's calling you to, just to open up, just uh, put your hand up wherever you are. I want to pray for you. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for this people and this group. Lord, as a church, our desire is to be wholehearted in our service for you, to hold nothing back because we find that it has life, there is faith, there is hope. Lord, I pray right now for everybody who is choosing to put you first in their lives, in their emotions, in their day-to-day, in their workplace.
in their family, Lord. I thank you that you can be trusted in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. We're, we'll be back here again next week. We've got a whole bunch of um, food there. And um, at the back as well, you'll see two gift baskets. And therefore, our wonderful little bubbers, our little babies from our church, from you. Part of your uh, financial giving has bought some gifts and presents for these wonderful babies. So we love having them here and their families. See you soon. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.